Hello and welcome to Meaning What. I'm Matt Wiseman. Today we'll be discussing the primary um, contest for the Democratic candidate for president. This is going to be the 10th debate tonight in Charleston, South Carolina. I have three things we're going to talk about. First, the the smokescreen that's always in the news. Um, what the DNC is saying they want this time around, what they're throwing at you, what the MSNBC is throwing at you, what all of the cable news is throwing at you, all of these fake controversies or these minimal controversies that are distracting from the actual issues at hand, um, the things that the DNC says they want, and then what actually is being presented by the candidates. So that's going to be part one. Part two we have the actual issues, what voters are saying that they want. The top three issues will be discussed along with a few of the others, but really they address these top three concerns. And lastly, we'll be discussing the candidates um, and running and how they measure up with these issues and really just basic information about them if you haven't been following along. So this is a South Carolina debate. It is the fourth contest in the primary And then we have Super Tuesday coming up right after. So this is the last debate before Super Tuesday on March 3rd, where a huge portion of the states are going to be voting. And we'll really see this national national system at play and see what the nation wants. Instead of just these national polls, we're going to have a lot more of an understanding of who is in there and what they're doing. First, the smokescreen. The, they're always on the corporate media, on the news, they're going to say, the cable news organizations, they're big corporations. So they have things that they want to say. Um, the classics, the defenses of capitalism or neoliberalism, if you like, uh, are we need a consensus, 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 consensus. These are all buzzwords so that you know. Um, we need a consensus. And what does consensus mean? That means that whatever values you have as a Democratic voter, you need to have more Republican values so that we can get it passed. Uh, we, uh, It's not true. Anyway, moderation, that we can only do things slowly because that's the only way that it makes sense. Uh, anything else is radical and, you know, socialist or communist or authoritarian or whatever. But uh, moderation, consensus, austerity, incrementalism, cost, cuts, the, um, all of these things are explicit and people will talk about them constantly. And that's really just them mismanaging the budget and then trying to take what they call entitlements. Entitlements is not really a thing. It's the welfare state. It came through uh, neoliberal Bill Clinton talking about um, slashing social programs that are supporting poor and working people. And so since he slashed them and then instead put them in jails and then took the money that we would pay for these social programs and instead gave them to private corporations and jails and expanded the jail population, that's where we get all these talking points from. So it's not that we're spending less money or being more responsible, we are in fact neglecting people and then throwing them in jail as a punitive measure. And so this is something that's been going on for a while. Uh, But these are talking points you should be aware of. Um, Big business is good. The trickle down economy, the economy is good. The Dow is good. The S&P 500 is good. Uh, All of these things are meaningless. They're absolutely meaningless, effectively meaningless to most Americans, most citizens of the United States. Um, global free market, the free market, that's 
just code for neoliberalism. And they're going to ship your jobs abroad. And they're going to not be accountable for our child labor laws or be accountable for our regulations that we've worked hard to get. Uh, to have weekends off, to have eight-hour workdays, to have a lunch break, to have um, admissions be controlled and control and, and combat climate change. All of these things are very important. So those are the classic neoliberal talking points that you'll have come up again and again and again and again. Um, and they're all just lies. It's smokescreen. So more smokescreen is actually coming up this time around. Um, Russia, Russia gate, Russia, Russia, Russia. No one cares about Russia. Every, every first world nation interferes with everybody else's elections. That's what happens. It's not a big deal. Let's say they throw 10 million at it. We're putting billions of dollars behind these, these debates, this whole um, election cycle, the whole industry. It is serious. So to think that a couple million dollars from a foreign government can really influence elections that we're spending billions of dollars on is kind of absurd. Uh, and it's not a real concern. It's just a smokescreen so that you don't think about the issues that are real concerns. Um, sent, uh, health records, you know, are they healthy? This is important, but that's if they didn't disclose them. But if they've already disclosed them and everything the doctors have signed off, I mean, why is this a concern? Just because somebody's older doesn't mean that they can't be president. It's everyone that's a U.S. born citizen over 40, right, is eligible, anyone at all. And Bernie Sanders has said as much. And Joe Biden, I want to see his health records. I don't think that he is well. And it's a concern. I think it's a mental degradation. Now, somebody like Bernie Sanders has released his records, and apparently he has the cardiovascular health from three different doctors certified this of a 40-year-old, maybe even a 30 to 40-year-old. So that's right in my age. So he might be healthier than I am. The guy seems very active, and he does more than other politicians, like multiple campaign rallies a day, different states. He's, he's on the top of his health. He's fine. Uh, supporters, attacking supporters, talking the Bernie bro situation. All of these supporters, what do your supporters do online? What are your, how civil are your supporters? We need to push about civility. That's smokescreen. Nobody really cares about that. Nobody cares about the voters and how they act. You know, Trump's uh, supporters have been doing all kinds of crazy things. And we don't even mention it anymore. We don't even consider it anymore. And why is it important that we would actually attack the people we want to vote for us? It's just so absurd. Why is this even a talking point? It's really dumb. Uh, and then there's there's the label situation. I'm a capitalist through and through. I'm a socialist. I, I want social programs. There's toxic culture, woke politics, you know, personal pronouns and, and recognition. Okay, well, that's not entirely BS, but that's not one of the major issues people are talking about. It's an issue that's coming up as a, a socially progressive issue that is getting pushed to the forefront because people are are basically resting on their identity and that becomes their platform. I am a woman, so elect me. I am gay, so elect me. I am Jewish, so elect me. And you don't see that from real politicians that want to push policy. You only see that from people that want to maintain the status quo. So what what are these things? Um, we'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, so centrism, this is the last one in the smokescreen situation. 
centrism, when, when politicians talk about centrism, they mean that, that old consensus. They're going to take whatever position they're in. Um, usually it's from neoliberal free market capitalist people. And they're saying, I'm either a moderate Republican or a moderate Democrat at this point, And I believe in consensus. I believe in moving to the center and being moderate about this or that or anything. In other words, I will do nothing. I will do nothing. I will change nothing. I represent the status quo. So when you hear somebody say, as a politician, I'm a centrist, what they mean is they're halfway between Republican and Democrats. They don't really have the shared values. And that's very important because the value of the Republican Party is very different than the values of the the Democratic Party. And those things have changed over the years. So we should be aware that when people say they're centrist, that's what they're talking about. Now, the voter that's a centrist, what the voting population of the center is, is the majority. The center is somebody that can appeal to the left and to the right and has this broad coalition. So the center tends to be the, the biggest voting bloc. They have Democrats, Republicans, and you have independents. Independence is the center because they are the biggest. And we don't really speak to them, and a lot of them don't vote. So there you go. Now, I want to discuss quickly what the DNC says they want in a candidate, and then we'll go to the real issues. DNC says that they want an expanded electorate, that we need to have a huge turnout of multiculturalism. We need to reach out to Republicans and the independents and the moderates and the the, extremists and radicals and everything. And we need to get everybody in our big tent so that we can, you know, go and take the White House. Okay. You want an expanded electorate. Okay. That's fine. That's great. We need somebody that's electable. That's just code for beating Trump. They don't want to say they're anti-Trump, but the electable means that somebody they can get into the White House. Well, Trump's the major rival. Electable is your quality. Okay, who's electable? Well, hopefully everybody that gets any kind of votes is electable. Anybody that wins elections is electable. And there's proof the more elections you win, the more electable you are. Um, somebody who's going to end the kind of flagrant corruption of Donald Trump, this, this oafishness that he brings to office and that he treats on the world stage. His, his friendly nature with autocrats, his uh, one-sided nature with governing. They want somebody that's going to be more civil. They're going to end this particular kind of cor- uh, corruption. And we can call it corruption. And, and to Trump's defense, White House, Washington is very corrupt. And so he's not wrong in calling it out or trying to make it a priority. But being corrupt while you're trying to root out corruption is not ever going to work. He's in fact starting his own brand of corruption and it's distasteful to the establishment DNC. All right. And lastly, they want to answer the major issues, which I think is pretty much the only one that makes total sense. Expanding the electorate is always a goal. The rest of these are constant goals, but these are the ones that are focusing on this cycle. All right. So now the real issue What are the real issues? What are the people saying that is the most important thing in this election? Well, you always have the choice between the status quo and change. Now, I would have said initially that your change candidates were, um, you know, hopefully we think change for the better, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to happen. And since Donald Trump was an anti-establishment change candidate, 
um, running against the RNC, running against corruption, drain the swamp and all that, running um, for the people, trying to say that yeah, we're going to invest in infrastructure, we're going to give you the best health care, we're going to you know fight for you uh, against China and this global trade, we're going to try and be this populist nationalist, right? So he believes in the people and he believes in protecting the borders and protecting the people. All that's good. It's good on paper. It's just kind of like, how do you enact that? And some of that is awful. And the way he does it is terrible. And it is disrespecting other people's dignity and other people's rights in the world. Now, that's a change candidate. It's not necessarily what the RNC had in mind when they wanted to get Ted Cruz or someone in there. Um, but he, by and large, has been a status quo candidate doing what the Republicans want. And then as long as they kind of turn their back on whatever he wants to do himself, whether it's um, selling the U.S. military for money and uh, in our involvement for money or uh, buying uh, or selling uh, presidential pardons for money or campaign contributions uh, or this whole thing with um, – Ukraine and that that corruption and scandal where, you know, we're going to give you money and you're going to do my investigation that's been debunked. Well, okay, that's an impeachment. Fine. You know, they that that's a change candidate. Right. So he is not necessarily change for the better, but he ended up being more representational of the status quo. Now, we have that same kind of option here and we'll go over more with the real issues. Uh, so there's many issues in this election. There's a lot of things we want to change, but the top three among voters, and so we're just going to focus on the top three because it's just so much healthcare. What's your plan on healthcare, climate change, income inequality, this wealth discrepancy in America. So healthcare, we have obviously the Medicare for all, which people initially said they were all for, and then they back off. And now there's Medicare for all who want it. There's Medicare for all in three years after we have a public option. There's an expansion of Obamacare. you know. And those people that don't actually have a platform, what are you doing? This is one of the major issues. People are talking about it. People want it. The voters want to hear about it. And you're not talking about it. So that's healthcare and healthcare industry reform needs to happen. Two, climate change. I can only really think of two candidates that have anything about climate change, and that's Bernie Sanders and um, and Tom Steyer. Tom Steyer is, was, is a billionaire, and he has been pushing for climate change, and that's the core of his platform. Of the seven that remain, obviously, there were some others. Uh, I think Delaney was also in, um, involved with some of these climate change issues. Now, income equality. Uh, how do you address that. That is the most abstract and it's the hardest to get at. Income inequality, well, you had the universal basic income, you had a jobs guarantee. Um, universal basic income relies on the free market and so it is kind of the most capitalistic neoliberal idea to go about it, but then it involves the U.S. giving money, uh, freedom dividend, as he called it, to the average person. And so, yes, that could be more democratic, but it's it's questionable if it would have actually worked. So that there's also, um, as far as addressing income inequality, Wall Street reform, 
you know, uh, increasing regulations on Wall Street, uh, a billionaire tax, wealth tax. That's uh, Warren and Sanders' idea. Uh, free education, trying to really get at the root of why we have this inequality. Um, uh, and then you get to more Sanders-specific ideas, medical debt forgiveness, um, housing, homelessness uh, issues, forgiving educational debt forgiveness, infrastructure investments, unionization, reducing tax breaks, increasing the minimum wage, stopping privatization of prisons and the military industrial complex, um, protecting social security. So far, everybody, I mean, has been kind of against that. They're talking about reducing social security and Medicare and public investments and any kind of social program while uh, Sanders seems to be for it and the only one out and out getting money out of politics. That's a huge issue. People say it's a huge issue. I mean, they've had this whole like small dollar pledge. Amy Klobuchar, the admitted moderate is actually not taking a lot of uh, corporate super PAC money or any super PAC money while Warren said she wasn't and now she is. So I don't know how much you can trust her and funding for campaigns like Yang was talking about um, having democracy dollars so that we can make it more uh, public funded, public oriented and have democracy put in there. All right. So those were some of the issues that came up with uh, the real issues, the healthcare, climate change and income inequality. Uh, there's a lot more and there's ways to address it, but those are just some basic ones. Uh, the candidates, this is the last segment we'll go into. We just want to go, I wanted to go over the quick candidates so you know what to expect, what they're going to do, where they're from. There's Tom Steyer. He's a billionaire. He ran a huge campaign against Trump about the pro-impeachment, removed Trump. And he's been working climate change for, I don't know, eight 10 years, something like that, really pushing for climate change reform. Um, then there's all the establishment uh, neoliberals, so that we have uh, Pete Buttigieg, the, the compromise candidate. He wants to kind of sell himself as not a billionaire, not a, not a, a hero of any kind of particular movement. He doesn't really stand for anything. He is really selling this, I'm status quo, and that's why I'm good kind of situation. I will address each of these issues, but not really address anything, and life will go on as it did before Trump. And that's really his whole platform. He has the Medicare for all who want it. He has the, um, he, he has just a lot of kind of weak plans, and he's resting on his cult of personality and his relationship with NBC and the news media, uh, and his status as a gay man, as um, really why we should vote for him. Amy Klobuchar, Senator, she's been very strong. She's helped and fought for women's and women's rights. She was a prosecutor. Black Lives Matter have condemned her because she prosecuted a teenager with um, no evidence, uh, only testimony from uh, from prisoners for leniency. They had this testimony that said that he uh, he had been part of a drive-by and the guy's in jail. And he's been in jail, and she's like, well, I convicted him once, but somebody else convicted him the second time. So she feels no accountability and hasn't walked it back. But even that being said, she seems to be a pretty strong fighter and fairly honest, but she is admittedly a moderate, and she wants to maintain the status quo, you know, 
prior to Trump. Then, then there is Joe Biden, right? We all know Joe Biden's name. We all know Joe Biden. All right, so let's go into his record. He was the vice president under um, Barack Obama. He helped push Obamacare. He does have international relationships. Uh, he ran for president twice before and lost. He never won a primary before. South Carolina could be his first, but uh, he also was part of Obama's grand compromise, which proposed, uh, proposed some cuts to Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. And he's he's pro inequality, you know. He so these these two major issues of you know trying to address income inequality. He seems to be pro inequality, as in the the he got so that student death could not be forgiven when you declare bankruptcy. It was part of a bill he wrote. Um, he was pro in incarceration with the crime bill. So you know this punitive measure. You know the strength of the the state. The state needs to put you in jail because you are poor or you are black or you have some history of drugs or whatever. But they will find a reason and they will put you in jail. And a lot of that is because of Joe Biden. Joe Biden really is part of that camp. So he proposes a, a, an expansion of Obamacare, modest expansion. So I don't know where he stands on climate change. I don't think it's an issue he's really been asked about. He seems to have some health issues, so uh, I'm not sure why he's even in this race. But he's a favorite. There's Warren, and we talked about this before briefly. She wants a lower wealth tax than Bernie Sanders, but she might have been the originator of the idea of a wealth tax in the U.S., at least the first one to propose it. She's the woman with the plan, but these plans seem to change, and they're way too detailed for this early in the process, which leaves no room for compromise. Um, she said she wants big structural change, but then it seems that she's already coming and compromising before even with any kind of pressure. So she's crumbling to any kind of outside pressure. She wants limited educational forgiveness, so people will have part of it forgiven, but not all of it. Um, so I don't know how that actually works when you're trying to have people have disposable income, but they're you know three hundred thousand dollars in debt, and she's going to you know forgive a hundred thousand dollars. Well, thanks a lot, Elizabeth. It's still twenty years until I can get that if I get a decent job. Um, and she's she's pro public option for the Medicare for all, and then she'll have a Medicare for all fight after uh, in the twenty twenty two election cycle for Congress. So. Um, People that are progressives, they like her because she's into to Wall Street reform, but she seems that she's trying to court the establishment instead of the establishment accepting her as an anti-establishment candidate, the way that Donald Trump was, the way that Bernie Sanders is this time around. Then we have Michael Bloomberg. He's not even competing, but he's going to be on stage. He's going to only have Super Tuesdays. He's not competing in South Carolina. You won't be able to vote for him. He's an oligarch. He has more money um, than almost anyone you've ever met in your whole life. He's got $60 million. When he started as a president, uh, as the mayor of New York City, he had $8, million. $8 billion. He has $16 billion with the B. He's like the 14th richest person in the world, the 8th richest person in the U.S. When, when the people with the most privilege are running for office, we know that the system is kind of done, you know, democracy doesn't matter when you have oligarchs in there. But let's let's talk about the issues and let's talk about where he stands. Okay. Bloomberg. He's buying everything. 
So he doesn't seem to be pro-democracy. There's no way to be for him to anyone to have a check on him for there to be any kind of sort of accountability. You know, if Trump's familiar, uh, it comes to mind. Well, that's kind of how he's playing it. Bloomberg is far more rich and more capable than Donald Trump. So that oafishness is gone. And he essentially ran New York City like an apartheid authoritarian runs New York City. He believed in a police state and very punitive actions. So he put young brown and black men in cages the way that Donald Trump and the DSA, no, no, sorry, the, the, um, the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, and um, ICE are kind of cracking down on immigrants. He did that to brown and black men in New York. So it's not okay. It's not okay. He won't erase inequality. He won't try to equalize the the system. He won't try to establish uh, another strong middle class. He he won't do anything about climate change because that stands in the way of his capitalist ideals. And as far as healthcare, I don't even think he has a plan. He's just saying that I'm electable. That's the only thing. You know, Mike can get it done. Well, get what done? Put people in jail? So uh, lastly, we have Bernie Sanders. I mean, what's there to say about Bernie Sanders? He, he checks all the boxes. He's listening to everyone. He's expanding his electorate. His constituency is the largest we've ever seen. He's running on small dollar donations. He has so many plans, so many ideas, so many big ideas that people call him pie in the sky. Amy Klobuchar loves to do that. You know, posted Amy, as Warren calls her. But at the end of the day, he believes in democracy. He believes in one person, one vote, and that the people with the most votes should lead the country. I can't argue with that. As in the, as a citizen of the U.S., as somebody who was born here and has been here all my life, I just don't understand what the United States would be if we didn't believe in democracy. Democracy itself is one of these core values of who we are. And here is a guy that says, I'm an economic populist. I want to give the people a vote. I want everybody to be benefit from the prosperity of the United States of America. And I don't just want the richest people to benefit. I don't want to just take your job and put it overseas. I want to have a jobs guarantee. Um, I want to get money out of politics so that it's more fair for everyone. It's just a very, very, very different perspective than anyone else on that stage. And it's quite interesting when you see somebody like Steyer and Bloomberg, who are billionaires that have a lot of options, have a lot of influence, have a lot of power in this country, and everything has been lined up for them to do so. And then you have somebody like uh, Bernie Sanders, who doesn't really have those things, has fought his way into politics, has made it from the grassroots organizing and activist angle, and has actually supported those people, and has been in touch with the grassroots and people on the ground. And he's listened to the constituency, and he wants to make their lives better. He's trying to have a worker-centered, people-centered movement so that we can get these things done. And part one is to get into the White House. Part one is to believe that we can have a better life. If we can't believe it, we can't achieve it. And that's just at the end of the day, that's what it is. You either believe that you can do better and that we have to do better. We're facing disgraces and we're facing, you know, like our education system, our healthcare system. It's a disgrace, international disgrace. There are human rights violations at the border. That's a disgrace. Um, the, the, the inequality in the wages here, that's a disgrace. It's shocking. 
literally shocking on an international scale that we could have four families have have more wealth than the bottom half of all Americans. That's shocking. It's really disgusting, and we need to address it directly. And climate change is the gun to the head of the international community. It's not just the U.S., but we need to get these things done now. And what Bernie Sanders has done very intelligently is rolled all of these things together and so that we could do them. The big difference, the big difference between the RNC, the DNC, and what Bernie Sanders is doing, right? So the, the RNC ter- has always been the capitalist party, the corporatist party. This is the party that respects and listens to cor- big corporations. It's their big business party, and that's fine. They could be socially conservative, and as long as they do what's good for big business, um, it's fine. That's what they are. They're not the only ones in the world, and they have been uh, disproportionately powerful in U.S. history. Okay, you know, but being pro-imperialist, being pro-free um, trade international, that's new since World War II. So, well, imperialism not in outside of the U.S. sphere. Uh, but it, the, these things are very are debatable even with the in the RNC. Suffice it to say, the economic populism and the populist message and the social um, nationalism of Donald Trump are a departure, a departure for some of these global trade issues. So those are things that are in debate. But the RNC generally is considered the corporatist party. There's a party of big business. The DNC is the, the professional class party, managerial class party. Uh, so these is the, the top 10% instead of the 0.01%. And so they're not necessarily going to push for uh, equality, even though that's one of the major issues voters care about. And they are going to push for diversity at the top. Diversity at the top is fine, but only people at the top. And that's really where their perspective is coming from. They are the diversity at the top party. That's what they've been. They're socially conservative and fiscally, you know, sorry, socially liberal and fiscally conservative. So, you know, identity politics and all these kind of things and personal pronouns matter to them. They're the ones that are pushing Latinx more than anyone. But... At the end of the day, it, it, they're not economically populist. They don't want to redistribute wealth or answer uh, wealth in, um, inequality in this country. And that's huge. That's huge. If you don't want it, how is it ever going to change? How is it ever going to happen? And lastly, I mean, you could say this is the Bernie Sanders movement. You can call it the Democratic Socialists of America movement because um, he calls himself a Democratic Socialist. I don't know if they actually – they're aligned in this this part, but I don't know if they would actually support everything that he does. They think he's too to the right. So um, Bernie Sanders' platform, well, he's a workers' party. In other countries, there's workers' parties, and they're represented um, – by establishments and there is no workers party in the u.s bernie sanders is trying to make the dnc into a workers party they were a workers party in in fdr's days so he is trying to bring that back all right and the last thing i'll leave i'll leave you on just a little end note if michael bloomberg and Tom Steyer wanted to, 
they could, they're billionaires, they have power, they have influence, they do not need to be the president of the United States. That's another avenue for power and influence where you are essentially degrading the ability of the government to put a accountability and a check onto big business. These are people that represent big business. And yeah, you're like, well, Matt, aren't you persecuting them for success? Well, this is, goes back to the, the billionaire argument. Is a billionaire... As a, as a position, is it a moral position? You are benefiting from stealing and exploiting many, many people. That's how you got to where you are. It is not anything at all reflective of how hard you worked or how you played the game. And there, you're not better than everyone because you're a billionaire. And if anything, you're more unjust and you are more amoral because you are a billionaire. And if you, the thing about being a billionaire is that you don't have to be a billionaire. You can just stop it. You can just give away your money. Not, not philanthropy for profit, you know, like I'm changing my image, so therefore I'm running a huge press campaign to make billionaires seem better. We've seen all that. That's what Davos is all about. You know, I want to feel better, so I'm going to give away some of my money. But as long as it benefits me and doesn't put into question the status quo that put me into power. The problem itself is the system that put them into power. And they are the beneficial results of that. But on the backs of who? Most Americans. So let's say this. Um, billionaires like Bloomberg and Steyer, they can contribute in many ways. They can support democracy. They can actually just support democracy flat out. Try and get voter registration all across the board. Try and get people involved, black and brown people, people across the country. Try to have automatic registration. Try to get things uh, declared a national holiday. They can push for a more democratic United States of America. They can support checks and accountability on government. You know, Steyer has already tried to do this with his campaign to get um, Donald Trump impeached, and it didn't really work. Uh, they could lead in green renovations of our, our energy system. They could even just make money on that. They could support regulations on CO2 emissions, and they could try and push that by having big business and making it profitable for the Republicans to support it. If you have a billionaire that's, a, that's giving money to as a real opposition to an industry, you can affect change in this country. A lot of things are for sale in this country, and that's wrong including our politics. And there are good people still in politics that take money, and there's good people that don't take as much money. But the whole purity test in 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 the left wing now, in the new progressives, in the squad, the whole purity test is a moral test. What are your values? If you cannot live by your values, do you have them? Elizabeth Warren has proven that you don't. So that's the purity test, and that's what it's about. So if you are going to put your money where your mouth is then you are actually going to, Tom Steyer, put together a, an industry, put together a, a, a super PAC that's going to try and fight what's out there. And I'm not saying all of these people that are centrist now that might have some uh, progressive leanings can't be allies. We, we love reform. We love accepting people into the big tent of a workers party. So come along. Let's make America better. Let's save save people that are dying that are from crippling debt. Save people that are dying from health care that they can't get. Let's save 
the world, save Americans. Let's stop climate change. Let's change our our whole life so that we can have a better one for the future where things are possible. Now, I don't talk about this enough, but I have kids and I when I see my kids, that's why I do this. I want a better world for them. And so the only way I can see that right now is endorsing the Bernie Sanders campaign. But I'm not here to convince you to talk about Bernie Sanders exclusively. I want you to know what's really going on and who's out there. And so I'm not going to lie about my bias, but make your own decision. And we're ready for you whenever you want to come along. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the bait tonight.